Good morning. I can't believe this is the first time I've ever seen a whole room full of people who have been here for the first time. Yes, I haven't been able to see you for a year. But I just got new glasses and I could see all of you. A year ago, I would walk into Target and realize I cannot see anymore. And I shared a little bit last week that I had gone to the eye doctor four times. I went to a specialist. Um, he said he could not correct my vision anymore. And he said, you just got to wait till your cataracts get bad enough and then we can deal with it. But you know, like we've been praying and asking for miracles. I've been praying about this every day. And there's been time, there were times in this last year where I didn't feel like I was going to be able to see anything. I, I felt like, what are you doing with me, God? I, I can't get a corrective lens. Uh, I can't seem to get any help from the doctor. And there are times I was wondering, thinking like, where's my vision going to go? Are you not going to answer my prayer? But I kept asking. I've kept praying. I kept believing. And then just a couple of weeks ago, Dory said, why don't you go back to your eye doctor? And I go, man, again, four times? He, t- he told me he can't do anything. He can't correct my lenses. So I went again, and he was able to correct my vision. And so, you know, I can see you, and it's good to see you. And I'm glad to see you. So if I see you in the store, I will say hi to you because I recognize you. (laughs) You know, 14 years ago, well, actually in uh, October of uh, 1977, um, I I transitioned a few times in my company, but I transitioned into the transportation group and I started driving. And um, I had to, my immediate boss was this old crusty sailor. And excuse me, any of you Navy men, I I don't want to hurt you or anything, but this guy was an old crusty swabby. And um, he, he had been on, uh, he had fought in World War II, and he was on the Yorktown. And so he went under a kamikaze attack. And, you know, the, if you know the history of the, of the Yorktown, it actually had to be abandoned. And they thought that it was going to sink. But she was such a tough old tub that the next day they boarded her again. And they were trying to put out the fires and, and, and hang on to her. And then she got torpedoed. But it was like he was on the Yorktown. So he was a tough guy. And so as, we, as I began my career in transportation, as I started driving, he had a list of, any of you CB guys know, there's like codes, you know, 10 this, 10 that, you know, 10 four. How many kind of understand the codes a little bit? 10 this. 10. There's a few of them I remember. And so I was just thinking this morning, because every October I start reminiscing about how I was taught how to talk on the radio and how to communicate, you know, with my dispatcher. And so 10-4 rolls around, and I go, oh, yeah, 10-4. This is 10-4. This is October the 10th. And 10-4, you know, yeah, I got it. I got what you're saying, boss. I know what you're saying. Or 10-7, hey, nothing's happening right now. 10-7, we're at building 20. We're going to go on a break. 10-4, go on your break. And then I was thinking about 10-19. 10-19. Where are you at? Or come back home. Come back to base. Come back to the office. 1019. And then 1020. And Travis would get on the phone and say, 1020, what's your 20? Where are you at? And today the Lord would say, Where are you at? What's your 20 today? This is 1020 today. What's your 20? Where are you at? Where's your heart at? I want to start off talking about the heart today because I feel like God really wants to just help us. And I'm going to say some things that are going to be harsh today to some of you. Uh, some of you are going to be challenged, but
but it's just what I felt on my heart this week. And uh, I went to our intercessors and really just poured out my heart of what I felt like God was really doing in our church. And so track with me. You visitors, you're skating today because I'm not, I'm not really hammering you, but I know God's going to speak to you too. Let's just open in prayer again. Lord, I just thank you for the activity of your Holy Spirit, and I thank you for that word, Lord, that you are going to heal broken people and people who are broken in places today, and maybe they're not even aware of it today. You're going to touch those places, and you're going to bring another level of healing. And I also pray for those of us today in our heart where we haven't broken, and we have a hardness, we have a disconnection with you, and we have some things going on that you want to break through for us. I pray that you would allow us to let go and be broken today so that you can heal us and fix us. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to connect with our heart today and its condition and what you want to do and what you want to say to us. I pray for the spiritual atmosphere that we're in, Lord, because in this atmosphere, in your presence, there's a manifestation of miracles and words that will forever change our lives from this moment onward. And I thank you for every person here and our children and our toddlers and our babies, that even as they're in this place, that your Holy Spirit is watching over and protecting them, and you're speaking to their lives. God bless these next few minutes in the name of Jesus. The title of my message is Blocks to Receiving the Kingdom, Our Inheritance. You know, often I've been talking about our inheritance as believers, um, collectively as this local church, Hillside, and what God has for us as a spiritual inheritance and what he wants to do in our lives. Our key scripture today is Hebrews 12, 28. And, you know, when Jesus comes into our heart, when we invite Jesus to come into our heart, we've received a kingdom. We've just transferred into the eternal kingdom, a kingdom that will never pass away. And Paul wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he wrote, We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And as we see powers in uh, Kingdoms rise and fall all around the world. Name changes over governments. The kingdom of God that's in our hearts through Jesus Christ is a kingdom that's continually growing and getting bigger. And every time we gather together, our focus is to understand the kingdom of God and how it's working in our life personally and how we're a part of that kingdom and how we're growing in that kingdom. And that kingdom was brought to earth when Jesus Christ came And he gave people the opportunity to tap into that kingdom, to draw in and draw from that kingdom, and to bring heaven's resources down into their life today. And I have to say, because I can see you, I have seen how God has been answering my prayers. God is a faithful God. God is a God who can do and does the impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. All things are possible with God. And nothing is impossible with God to him or her who will dare to believe him. Jesus said to ask and keep on asking. Jesus said to knock and keep on knocking. Don't give up because you don't see the answer. Don't surrender because you feel like surrendering. The kingdom of God is within us. Remember Jesus said to the religious leaders, when they were saying, when is the kingdom going to come? And again, they were expecting Jesus to manifest a kingdom that was going to kick out the Roman Empire and set Jerusalem up as the kingdom on the earth. And Jesus said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, but it is within you. And those of us who felt the love of God and asked Jesus Christ to commit our life know what that is, to have the kingdom start in our life, to have something so big begin to 
rise up on the inside of us. And yes, we don't always feel the power of the kingdom. We're not always feeling our optimum spiritually, but it doesn't mean any less that that kingdom is not growing and active in us and that God is working for our good and for our benefit. So I want to talk about the heart. Proverbs 17.3 out of the Amplified, one of my favorites. The refining, the refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tries the heart. All the way through the Old Testament, you see God trying his people and testing his people. We saw him bring them all out of, out of Egypt and bring them through an incredible hard, hot wilderness test because he was trying to see what was in them. He was trying to see if they had within them, because of all the signs and miracles that he had done, if they could dare to believe and trust him, even though he was bringing them through a wilderness when they could not see any of their needs being met. Daily, can you imagine being in the desert, never seeing a grocery store, never seeing a bottled water or a place where you could get good water, but having to depend on God. And so we see, as we read the scriptures and we read through the Old Testament, that even though God was providing daily, somehow in their heart, there was a disconnect. And it said also it's that the effects of Egypt was on their life. It was, on, it was supernaturally imposed and branded into their soul, into their experience. And so that they had a hard time transitioning. And it's the same thing that we deal with now, that God wants to help us move past those experience, experiences that try to refine, define, and hinder our faith and God wants to move us forward in our faith, in our trust with him. Our next scripture. This is about King Old Hezekiah, Second Chronicles 32, 31. You know, Hezekiah was the one that, you know, the prophet came and told him, you know what, your life is ending, you're going to die. And he said, get your house in order. And, you know, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he, he pleaded with God, God, look at the things I've done because I believed in you. And when the prophet got to the outer court, you know, God told him, go back and tell him I'm giving him 15 more years. And so Hezekiah was in this place, and once he had this transformation, really, the next 15 years, it seems like Hezekiah didn't do such a good job with these added years he had. One of his mistakes was bringing in the king of Babylon and showing him all the treasures in his house and all the treasuries in the house of God. And uh, it's like almost like inviting the well-known thief and saying, come on in and check out my treasures. That's what Hezekiah did. So we're reading that verse. And so in the matter of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon who were sent to him, to old Hezi, to inquire about the one and wonder that was done in the, in the land, God left Hezekiah to himself to try him that he might know all that was in his heart. You know, there's times when we're going through life and God's testing us, and so he kind of backs away, and he wants to see how we're going to respond. In that secret place, are, are we going to do the right thing? Are we going to compromise? Are we going to do things that we know God doesn't want us to do? And why does God allow that to happen? God wants to see what's in our heart. Now, for those of us who've done things in secret that we're ashamed of afterward, I mean, we have the benefit through Jesus Christ and the New Testament age to be able to say, wait a second, God, I just blew it. And I realize what's in my heart is not right. And be able to ask God for repentance. Be able to ask God for forgiveness. And God will cleanse us and forgive us of that sin so that we can get up and walk on. But the most important thing is that we see those things that are in our heart. And we have the opportunity to repent and change. The next verse, Jeremiah 17, 9. 
Again, the condition of the heart of man. God, through Jeremiah, allows us for all times, this scripture in the Bible allows us to really see the heart of man. And our heart too, because we're in a work of transformation and change. And a Christian, just because you accept Jesus doesn't mean you're perfectly right, but as you walk with God, as you walk in the light of truth and how the Holy Spirit wants to reveal truth to you, that's how you can change and respond by God continually working on all of our hearts. So Jeremiah writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the heart is deceitful above all things. Okay, let's go right there. In the fall of man in the garden, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and they traded allegiances and Satan became the God of this world, Satan, who is the deceiver of the whole world, who is the master deceiver and the father of lies, became our spiritual father. Through Adam, we all got dumped under sin and separated from God. We died spiritually. And so the deceit that enters and comes from our heart is from our old nature and the old man, Satan, who we were once connected and fathered by. But I thank God through Jesus Christ that the righteousness of God comes into our heart by faith and by the blood of Jesus. And so when we see the wickedness of our heart, when we see the deceit in our heart, we can begin to connect with God again, ask for repentance and have the Holy Spirit begin to root out those areas in our heart that are wrong, that keep us. And what's the whole thing about the heart? If our heart is blocked, if we're in sin, if we're compromising, we are blocking heaven's resources. How many don't want heaven's resources blocked from you? I don't want heaven's resources blocked. I want to know when I pray, there's nothing going on in my life that's hindering the activity of the Holy Spirit and the power of God that wants to bring me heaven's resources. Jesus said this about the heart. Now, when Jesus says it, you can know it's got to be true. You can kind of wonder, you know, Jeremiah, was he really, did he really hear from God? Yeah, he did. Jesus backs him up. Jesus said evil begins in our heart. And it comes from and it comes out of our heart. Matthew 15, 19. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. So anytime you're tempted to slander someone, that's, again, our old nature and Satan trying to activate division in the body or division between you and a friend. Anytime you're tempted to uh, be involved immorally, it's Satan trying to use your life and, and turn you away from what God has for you. And it's all about the heart. Now, Jesus wouldn't tell us our heart is where the problem is if he didn't have the solution and the answer. So I'm so glad we have Jesus, the keeper of our heart. In Psalms 51, David, because he murdered someone and committed adultery, because he was sexually immoral, he failed. But he gives us a way and shows us the path of how we can come out of anything that's trying to steal the glory of God and the grace of God that's on our life. So Psalms 51.10, David cries out in this psalm, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right, persevering, and steadfast spirit within me. Again, we are trained up in the natural. We are bombarded by messages and, or experiences that get us going down a road or a path that, that is sinful or it, it keeps our heart in darkness. But our prayer, God created in me, is us coming back to him and getting the power to overcome the habit patterns, 
the feelings and temptations of sin or things done to us that gets us going down a path of destruction. God knows how the enemy works. God knows our temptations. God knows how Satan works to, again, hinder and cramp and stop the glory of God in our life. But that prayer is a powerful prayer because when we persevere in looking at ourselves, looking at our heart, looking at the areas that we're failing in, and we diligently begin to pray, God begins to change our heart. God begins to transform us. Our, our compromises, our weak will becomes to be fortified in our spirit, in our will. Our will becomes, begins to be, begin to be strong. Like remember what it says about Joseph, what he went through, that his soul entered iron? Because he was a man of God, because he was called to God, because he was honest, because he was um, convicted of a crime he didn't commit, he's in jail illegally, God used that time where his soul went through pain to put iron in it. He persevered in spirit and he got strong. So in that time when it was up, that prophetic voice that came over him, him being able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams, brought him out of prison and put him on the top, put him right up there with Pharaoh. And so we see that God can take the most weak-willed person and energize and strengthen them in the inner man and cause them to rise up. Having a steadfast spirit within us, that's what we're all doing here. Every time we gather together, every time we take time with God, every time we allow ourselves to be in the presence, we are fortifying the inner man. We are strengthening our character and our will to resist temptation and to do what's right. And what's going to be our benefit? Open heavens, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God flowing into our life, the power of God flowing into our life, the answers of God flowing into our life, the ability to speak the truth, the ability to have that prophetic presence on us where we can see a situation and we can speak because God is telling us what to do. We are not to walk alone. We are to walk in a great confidence in who is in us, and it's Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. That whole package is now in us through what Jesus Christ did to pay the way. Number eight. God says, here's the way to be clean. Proverbs 16, 16. You've got to look at it in the Amplified. It is great. God's mer- by God's mercy. Okay, that's how, how we're starting on the heart. By God's mercy. That means it's not anything we're doing. You could be feeling the most dirtiest, filthiest person. It's going to be by the mercy of God. Why? He loves us so much. We throw this scripture at you all the time. Romans says that when we were sinners and while we were sinners, Jesus came and died for us. Well, that was before he was even born. Duh, yes, Bruce, that he loves you so much and he knew you're going to have a sin nature to deal with that he died for you from the beginning. Why? He wanted fellowship with me. He wants fellowship with us. And so it's a done deal. So it's his mercy constantly extended. No matter how many times we blow it, his mercy is extended to us. So by mercy, by God's mercy and the love of God, which Romans 5, 5 says, the love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That means when I'm feeling ugly, when I feel hateful and angry, I can go to God and ask for repentance, ask him to change my heart, and the love of God will start pouring in again. The blocks will start being removed. And when I start receiving the love of God, I'm taken to another level of faith. I'm taken to another level of confidence in who God has made me to be, not by how I fail or how I miss it or, or how I'm, I'm not living like I should. So by mercy and the love of God and truth, 
That's why it's so important to read the Bible, because as we're reading the Bible, those nuggets that are going to apply for you today are going to come right to your heart. You know, this nugget I got in uh, Proverbs 16, I just got that yesterday in my reading for all of us. So God knows how to track and bring us words and nuggets of truth that we can hold on to and grow in right for today. Just like going and getting a fresh piece of bread at Knob Hill or Safeway. I know dry bread is good. My mom taught me if you cut it, because she grew up in depression, put a little water on it and put it in the oven with a little butter, it's like fresh, but it's still not fresh. Okay, so truth, receiving the word of God. God's mercy, God's love, God's truth, and fidelity. What's that word mean? It means loyalty and faithfulness. Just being as loyal as you, as you can be to God. And in places that you're not loyal and faithful, God say, God, I see this. Let me tell you, you know what? All of us really know what God wants for us. We all have conviction. We all have a conscience. God has blessed every one of us with a conscience. And so we can know, we can know what God wants of us. It's just, what do we choose? It's like our husband or wife. They're asking us to do something, and we choose. We're hearing them, but are we going to listen to them? You know? How many times do I wish I would have listened to Dory, you know, as she's giving me advice, and I'm not, I'm not taking it? We choose what we want to choose. So let's start stopping not listening to God and listen to what he's convicting us about and keep changing and adjusting so that we can get everything he has for us. Okay, so faithfulness and loyalty to God and to man. That means the people we're in relationship with, being faithful to them, being loyal to them. Loyalty doesn't mean you're my friend today and then tomorrow I don't feel like you're my friend. No, that means tomorrow when I don't feel like you're my friend, you're still my friend. I'm loyal. Why? Because of our commitment together in the body of Christ as Christians, as believers together, especially those in this local church where God's put you, our faithfulness and loyalty together builds the body that God wants here and manifests the gifts through each one of us because there's great value as we come together and use our gifts. We will never be what God wants us to be here at Hellside until people keep coming in, growing up in their gift, and using their gift. Some of you are here visiting today, and we miss your gift, and you know who you are. Okay, faithfulness to God and man not by sacrificial offerings. That means God doesn't want you to give an offering that's not from your heart. We cannot be religious and just do the right thing. I hope you're not here just being religious and saying, God, I'm giving you an hour and a half. I'm leaving, and I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm hoping you're here today because you want heart changes. You want more of God. You want more of the blessing of God because it goes hand in hand. You get God, you get his blessing. You get a little bit of God and you're going your own way. You just squeeze the hose of blessing. You just stop. The, truck, the truck's coming from heaven. It's a triple wide. It's not California. It's like an Oregon truck. You can have triples. How many want a triple load of 40-footers coming from heaven for you? That's what we want. We don't want engine brakes down. Well, where's my load, Jesus? Well, it's on the side of the road. Why? Because you're not walking in obedience. Because you're not trusting me. So I, I had your truck pull over. I could, okay. 10-7, 10-7 over the side of the road. Why? He's not ready to receive it yet. Oh, man, I need that load. I got to have that load. Jesus, unblock the blocks. Okay, this verse is long, huh? There's a lot in here. Okay, faithfulness to God and man, not by sacrificial offerings. Immorality is purged out of the heart. 
hey, I think it was the psalmist said, you know, I was born, I was shaped in iniquity. We, we were born into this world ready for sin. We are adapted, well, easy to sin. Some of you have little babies see as they start growing. Immediately you see the selfishness. You see, I mean, it's clear. That's our old nature. So don't let the enemy beat you up because you're struggling. It's in our nature. But Jesus is here to set us free in our nature. He's here to set us free in the heart. So, by this work, immorality is purged out of the heart. And by reverent, worshipful fear of the Lord, men depart from and avoid evil. What's the fear of God? It's the awe and knowing that, yeah, some days, if I don't get this in order, I'm going to get judged by it, or it's going to take me down. It's going to take me out. Or the awesome fear of the Lord where, wow, you are so awesome. You are so big. I have experienced your love and your grace and your forgiveness. I'm going to surrender this area that the enemy is trying to use to keep me from being blessed. Psalms 51:17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, these, O oh God, you will not despise. And I, it's interesting that brokenness came out today. Thank you, Bruce. Because it's a combo thing. Because we are broken by different experiences in life and different places we have been victimized, been tormented, been rejected, been abandoned, been hurt, been slandered. You put, you put your thing on it. In those places where we're broken, God the way he designed and made us, we had this natural makeup that compensates and we build the walls of self-protection. We build the walls of resistance and we, we close our heart off. But again, that becomes a block from not being able to receive from God. If our heart is closed and we're blocked because we're protecting and, and defending ourselves, it often blocks God from reaching to us. And I know there are supernatural moments God penetrates our walls, and I'm thanking God for that. Why? Because he's trying to show us there's a different way for us. There, he's trying to get us to respond and let down the walls to him so that he can really bring healing to us in our mind, in our will, in our emotions. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. And when your heart does break, when in God's hands, when our heart breaks before him, when we really cannot carry any more, when the pain level gets so big and so stressful, God's going like this. Yes. Why? Because we're about ready to just let the dam break. And when we do, God is there to pick up the pieces. He's there to bring healing to us. And then we realize, why did I let it go so long? And I think that's sometimes why we rush out of the presence of God in our quiet times. Because we know, deep down in our spirit, we know because we've connected with Christ that in his presence, he's going to take more pain out. He's going to do, do more work of healing in our heart. Why? What's his whole thing? He wants to get our inheritance to, inheritance to us. He wants to get more to us than we could even imagine. And yet we find ourselves holding on to so many things in our life not trusting anyone, not trusting God, working harder. Why? Why are we working so hard? God wants to get the riches of heaven to us. Oh, again, I see these triple wides all stacked up. Now the roads are plugging up everywhere of stuff he's trying to get to us, but we're blocked and we're not able to receive. I wanted to really speak about receiving today. I felt like that was the next place I wanted to go, but 
But I knew I couldn't because I knew our heart, there was blocks. I want to transition a minute and share a little bit what's been on my heart. And I went into the intercessors on Thursday with a real heavy heart because I felt like, you know, what we've been talking about, that God wants us as a church to go into the land and us individually go into the land. And that means God's blessing for us. Everything that God has for us naturally in our own lives, you know, God just doesn't want, I think sometimes we think like if we sell out to God or we commit to the local church, you know, I'm going to lose my life. No, all you're going to lose is the things that are keeping you from being blessed. God wants you to maintain your family. And, and really, as you come into the church and you find your place and you connect, there is strength to be a better husband or wife, better parent. There is strength to help raise your children. There is strength that you have to show a different way to live that provides an spiritual inheritance for your kids that will keep them in the, in the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ. And you'll see the fruit in their lives as they grow up and as another generation of Christians uh, creates another family where there's faithfulness, where there's truth. And uh, uh, really, um, society is restored with the image of family. But I felt like the spiritual warfare is going on and I felt like it, it, it goes along with the scriptures I'm going to read. And uh, so I'm going to give you the scripture again. Ephesians six twelve. And this scripture is about spiritual warfare. But really, there's a warfare against our inheritance from God, both naturally and spiritually. There is a war against this church, reaching out to more people, seeing more people change and transform, seeing more people become followers of Jesus, disciples. Ephesians 6.12 is very familiar. For we, as Christians, as believers... Everyone here who is part of Hillside, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And yet every day we're rubbing shoulders with people who irritate us and we think they're the problem. But we wrestle against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. What was the prophet? I forget the prophet's name, but, you know, he's going along. I think it was Elijah. And, you know, they were facing all this spiritual opposition and natural armies. They could see natural armies, but he says to his servant, he, he, says, uh, he says about his servant, God, open his eyes, let him see what's really going on. And behind, he saw all the spiritual, demonic realms that were behind this army that was coming against him. And then he saw above that the heavenly armies that were above the spiritual armies and the natural armies. He saw the fiery chariots and he saw all of God's army, the hosts of heaven around. Can you imagine if you saw in your day when you're feeling irritated with your spouse, with your kids, at work with your boss, if you saw this demonic activity around you, or if you saw a horrendous accident, if you saw the spiritual things that were going on around that accident and before the accident, do you think you would look at life the same way? I wish God would open our eyes at least just once to see our opposition We don't fight against our family. We fight against the enemy who's trying to divide our family, who's trying to keep us in ourself, that we're not using our gifts and our abilities in Christ to enhance and grow. And I tell you, me and Dory have gone through it. This week, God really worked on more areas of my soul where I have not really changed. In places, I have not learned relational skills and abilities, and so I'm not communicating right. 
I was really upset with her this week. And really nothing about her. God was looking at my heart. God was shaking me up. God was trying my heart. And so after four days, I was able to see and explain to her what God was doing to bring up stuff of how I built walls and how I relate. And Dory hasn't been awesome for us since I got honest with you. We resist the very person that God sends us. If you're married, the very best that God has for you is your mate. Now, they're not perfect, but God uses us to refine us and to show us things in our heart. Why? To bring us closer together, to bring healing, to manifest what he wants in our lives. And it's a blessing for us, but it blesses those around us. So I came into uh, prayer realizing there was such a, a work going on in individual people's lives and, and for this church and how you fit with us and what God wants to do. But for everyone that's here today, there is a spiritual resistance in you growing in God, getting strong in God, finding your destiny, finding your purpose, finding freedom in relationships, experiencing the love of God. There is a huge war against you. And I was so angry. If you ask m- my intercessors, See, I'm I'm really claiming they're mine. They are my intercessors. I got totally honest with them because I was challenged to be honest with them. And I told them, I am very angry. I am extremely angry because I'm one of those persons, been in the church a long time, and I can kind of settle in passive. You know, you push up against the wall, it it doesn't move. You figure, well, that must be the will of God. No! The kingdom of God suffers violence, Jesus said. And the violent force or takes it by force where we don't lay passive but we start getting upset about how things are spiritually we start getting upset about what is standing in the way of resistance and we say no this cannot be anymore i will not stand for it and i tell dory you know how i am i can get passive and then i can just let go and i can go back to just being humble easy going bruce but i said to our intercessors i am angry and i don't want to go back I don't want to go back. And I felt like Joshua this week. If we understood who Joshua was, Joshua submitted himself to Moses and he was raised up under that ministry because he didn't know it, but it worked out. He had a call of God on him to take the mantle of Moses and continue the call of God for Israel to follow follow God. But he was one of those ones that saw the land and he saw what God had for them. And it broke him. When those 10 other spies said, it is too big, the giants are too big, the opposition is too big, and we cannot go forward. I tell you, we all sit here today and the enemy is saying, you cannot go forward. It's not going to change. And we get to that place where we're so familiar with our problems. We're familiar with what's going on. We're so familiar with the negative. We're so familiar with our own weaknesses that we say, it's not going to change. It's a lie. It's a lie. Joshua 3.1, Amplified Bible. They had gone through the 40 years. That next generation, I don't want to be left out. I don't want to stay this side of whatever God has as inheritance. I want it all. I want it all. I want my prayer. Our prayers for you this week was that you would have it all. That you would not be restricted or hindered by anything in your life that you would not have all that God has for you. Satan's offering you nothing. Everything in this world is going to pass away. Everything in here is going to die. 
God is offering us a kingdom that cannot be shaken. God is offering us something greater than we could even imagine. We were created for greater destiny. And if your whole life you're a servant, the destiny you're going to find in God is going to be great because if you're serving and God's called you to serve, you're going to find great blessings spiritually in who you are as God's servant. So get this picture. They are actually at the border of Jordan. It's their final last barrier to going into the promised land. Joshua rose early in the morning and they came to the Jordan, he and all the Israelites, and lodged there before passing over. Transitional moments. Giants of spiritual opposition seem much bigger when we're facing them up close. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that huge river? And then again, it's a sign that you're not going to cross because that river was every bit as impenetrable as the Red Sea when they had left Egypt. There were no boats. There was no skiffs. There was no canoes. There was no paddle boards. Just water. And I don't think any of them were good swimmers, else God wouldn't have parted the Red Sea in the first place. And in the desert, I don't think there's any big rivers to swim in and learn how to swim. So they face this impenetrable barrier and some of us, I believe today, are camping in front of huge oppositions that seem to defy us breaking through, that seem to defy that we're ever going to get past it. It could be physical. It could be emotional. It could be relational. It could be a gift or ministry. It could be a marriage. It could be your care of your children. It could be an addiction. And it says, you're not going to cross me. You're not going to get past this. Yes, you can have some good moments with Jesus. Yes, you can feel some tickly love, but you're not getting past it. Why? Those demonic kingdoms have taken over the earth when Satan fell. And do you think they're going to give up? But we are destined to go into the land. If we will determine, if we will determine that we will go across, we will face whatever we, go, we, we have to face. And the grace to do it is only taking that step when you're having to do something that is the hardest thing you have to do. And every one of us know what God's asking, and we all know the decisions that God is asking us to make, and we all know the steps God's asking us to take. And that first step is the hardest, scariest step. But when you take that step, the incredible power and grace of God comes, and the Holy Spirit steps up, and there's grace to take the next step. There's grace to take and, and feel emotions that are, are, are hard, because sometimes it means leaving a person. Leading a person that's causing you to go the wrong way. It's a relationship. It's, it's something where God's not first or it's, a, it's something that's not right. But when we do, everything begins to change. Oh yeah, Satan's going to get mad at you and he's going to throw all kinds of rock, rocks and darts. Why? He knows that you're beginning to take the land that he's been sitting on and he knows he's about to be ousted and so he's going to throw everything at you. But if you'll keep being, having a resolve to take those steps forward, you will enter and you will have the land that God has for you. And you will have blessings. You will have the outpouring of blessings that you have not begun to even understand how to receive and how to experience. When all you know is wilderness, it's hard to believe you're at a transitional moment. We live with real feelings. We live with real opposition. Our five senses are so strong. Even after a miracle, even yesterday, putting on my glasses and seeing, walking to church and seeing leaves, seeing the finite details, I have been thanking God, but I knew, in, even in myself, 
I said, you know what? You're going to get used to this again, and you're not going to be grateful. But it's taken me a year to, be, to pray and ask God, whatever you want to do, I want to be able to see clearly. I want to be able to see the people in my congregation and not just see past the front row who's sitting here or get kind of an image of, oh, that's Ken back there, but I know it's his body shape. I, I could see he's tall, lean, he's handsome. But, but is it really Ken? Is that really Ken? No, it's just a, a blur with a, with a green shirt on. Joshua and all the Israelites lodged at the Jordan River before passing over. You all know what it is to camp somewhere, to camp somewhere. And camping can be nice and fun, but camping can also become a place where you dig in and you, you put your roots down and you don't move forward. We have an excitement been building over the summer when we're talking about an inheritance that is so rich for us and so big for us that we can't even get it into our, our understanding what God has for us. But it's not going to be enough if we stay in this excitement about inheritance and we don't possess it. I see God beginning to do things that, that were confirmed when we went to our prophetic conference just a couple weeks ago, having this awesome guys in our SLE with us. It's an answer. It's God. It's part of our inheritance. God says that he wants to bring people in and God wants to show himself to them and, and he wants to give them new lives. And we are around and we have a great crew of people around them encouraging them. We want them to succeed and we want them to grow up and we want to see them become disciples who will cause other people to succeed because they've experienced the transformation and the growth. They've experienced the power of God that changed them. And so they have a deep faith because they've been delivered and to be able to help other people get out of those strongholds and be delivered. How often we lodge, we camp in a place short of God's best for us. Most of us, if we probably examine our life, if we spent the next couple hours talking about our lives, we wouldn't get through all the life stories and the pain and the brokenness and the feeling like second-class citizens. And so it's easy for us to settle. Well, I'm alive. Maybe when I get to heaven. No! Jesus, when he came, he said, repent. Turn around your way of thinking. Turn around and, and the way you're living life because the kingdom of God is at hand. It's a powerful kingdom. It's a kingdom of change and transformation. It's a kingdom of miracles and signs and wonders. When he told the disciples to go out, he, said, he gathered his disciples and he said, go, preach the gospel, which is the message and truth that sets a person free. And, it, and he says, heal the people. That's not just physically, that's emotionally, that's spiritually, that's in their self-image, that's in the places they've been wounded and damaged and victimized, that's the places people told them, you're never going to go anywhere, you're not going to mount to anything, you're not going to do anything. The enemy would cause those messages to resonate in our heart and keep us camped on the other side of the river. Joshua 3, 2 and 3. After three days, the officers went through the camp, commanding the people, when you see the ark of, of the covenant of the Lord your God being borne by the Levitical priests, set out from where you are and follow it. Now, God is not asking you to do something uh, presumptuous, but again, if you'll just begin to take some time after today and say, okay, God, here I am. Here's my heart as you keep developing your sensitivity to be able to hear from God because 
this thing Jesus did, I'm, excuse me, if I would have died like he died, I'm sure I would want my message to get out to everyone. And, and I would clearly make it known that, hey, I went for this. I want you to have it. I want you to be able to be in relationship with God through what I did. And so if you feel like you can't connect with God, that's a lie of the enemy. Because you have a spirit and it was created. It's designed to connect. I used this analogy uh, yesterday in Bible study. You know, we all, all have different cell phones. Every time you get a cell phone, you've got to buy a new charger that just fits your cell phone. How many can agree? You spend a million dollars in chargers. But I tell you, when Jesus died on the cross and we accepted what he did, the, the, the charger connection fits our heart. And God, who is spirit, now resonates and meets us spirit to spirit, and that's where we hear from God. They were to follow the ark. Remember, the ark was that little box that the Holy Spirit was shoved in. I don't know how he fit in that little three-foot box. He had to live in there for a number of years. But that represented the power of God. And that's what we have now living in us. That box, if you discovered that box and the search is on for that box, they're always looking for that box. If they open that box, it's empty. Why? The Holy Spirit's been released at Pentecost. It was released to believers. And that box now is, I guess, three-foot section of us. He's filling our heart. And that's where God will begin to speak to us. That's where we'll begin to know the will of God. And we, as we take steps, and they're going to be steps of faith because you're going into the wilderness. I mean, you're going from the wilderness into the promised land. And so it may look scary. You're going to be facing spiritual giants, but God's going to oust them for you. Verse 3, commanding the people, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, being born by the Levitical priests, set out from where you are and follow it. Joshua 3, 5. Joshua says it's time for a spiritual makeover. We watch TV, we clean up the outside, but I tell you, God is more interested in the inside. He can make your outside look good, but I tell you, if your inside's not looking good, no matter what you do, it's not going to shine out of your eyes. But if you have God in you, it's interesting how the glory of God even changes your countenance and you look more beautiful. Yes, even you guys, you look more beautiful when God radiates from you. And you girls, you look more and more beautiful because you let the presence of God shine through your eyes and shine through your countenance. What is in you by the Spirit, it shines out of your whole presence. Think of Jesus when he was transfigured. All they saw was the glory of God that shone out of his body. Why? He was just in such connection with God. And that's what's for us, to be in divine connection in the presence of God so that glory can radiate from us. Okay, time for that makeover, Joshua 3, 5. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify, purify, confess yourselves, that is, that is, separate yourself for a special holy purpose, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders for you. It's interesting that he focused on their heart. They're about ready to go in the promised land, so God wanted their hearts right. He didn't want them in any kind of sins, and so they had to examine their hearts. They had to be in right relationship with God. And I feel like that's what God's doing with this heart message today. There are places maybe you've been dabbling. God's saying, go and sin no more. He's saying today, put that thing behind you. I want you to move out. Why? Because I want those trucks to start moving. I want those loads to start getting delivered to you. I want to see you operating in the gifts that I have designed and destined for the Holy Spirit to manifest to you. I am tired of you just being on the way. I'm tired of the enemy beating your life up and beating up your family and beating up the people around you because you're not in that place to be a disciple who is full of presence and power, who can speak into a situation. We had this great guy. You're going to be hearing some of his messages. But he talked about laying on the hands. Here's a room full of pastors at our MFI conference. Here, Dory, come here. And he says, this is, this is the thing. 
about the power of God. I put my hand on, God does the work. He, he had us all cracking up, you know? That you can pray in faith for someone in your family, that you can so walk in relationship that you could go up and lay hands. And it's not you, but you become a conduit for the Holy Spirit to deliver. There are people around you that need deliverance, but Satan has us so caught up in our own world, our own problems, our own financial needs, that we are robbed of the flow. But as we get the flow going, as we're receiving and get the flow going, that flow, that flow starts downloading through us. Those blocks get removed and we start operating in the power of God. I want to throw another one at you because I think it's a really good one. Joshua 4, Joshua 3, 4. When he was giving him those instructions about how to, how to go, he says, yet a space must be between you and it, the ark, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near it, that you may be able to see the ark and know the way you must go. For you have not passed this way before. God is going to take you where you've never gone. And that, for most of us, is scary. Because we're people without, you know, without constant trust in God or whatever. We're scared about the future. We're scared about what's going to happen. That's why Satan uses the media so much to tell us all the negative. He wants to keep us subdued. And then when we're subdued and we're feeling the pain, he wants us to medicate, anesthetize our spirit. Our spirit cannot be medicated, anesthetized. Our spirit must be sharp and alive because that's where God's going to download direction. That's where we're going to rise over our circumstances and those things that are trying to keep us down. That's where we're going to rise up. And you might find yourself rising up and saying things and thinking afterwards, wow, was that me? <laughs> yes. Amen. That's a resurrected who you are. You're a resurrected person in Christ that you're going to be different. Yes, you can be meek and mild, but once in a while like me, you can get a little animated. You know, you can get a little forceful. You can, you can impress someone because God wants to use you to impress and to speak into situations and change the very nature of the surroundings, the very climate of the spiritual climate that's around you. Oh, 15 minutes. I'm barely moving. Okay, I'm going to go through this quick. Give me five more minutes, Jeff. God is a covenant-keeping God. When you look at the life of Moses, okay, he walked. He's 80 years old. He's been tested, tried. He's ready. God keeps covenant. God is a God of covenant. He always kept his covenant. He never breaks his covenant. But with our humanists, we're the ones that break his covenant. Covenant is like a super, super duper modified contract. You know, contracts have ends and limits, but it's that kind of thing where God makes contract with us. He ain't going to break it. He's going to back it up. Everything he says he's going to do, he's going to do. So Moses was established following Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant, which involves circumcision. Get this. Moses, the friend of God, he's, he's on his way now to start bringing deliverance to Egypt. Exodus 4, 24 through 27. Along the way to Egypt, at a resting place, the Lord met Moses and sought to kill Moses. Made him acutely and almost fatally sick. Excuse me? God, you're my friend, and now you're trying to kill me? Let that grip you. That, you know what? God is gracious, 
But when he is a covenant God and he wants us to move forward, again, he knows if we're not in line, we're, if there's any blocks, he can't do what he wants to do. And so God is ticked. I don't know about you. I do not want God ticked at me. Now, we're in the, we're in the New Testament. We think, oh, the grace of God. We're, we're not like that. Oh, they had it rough. They got, you know. You read the story of Phineas. You know, people had begun to uh, just get with uh, foreign people, and there was like, they weren't married. They were just having sexual immorality. Phineas, it's recorded in him as, as God 